0: It's hilarious that like, rules are important.
1: I'm recording now, so anyway. It's good, sexy though. Thank
2: you. <laughs> rules are very important. They give you a guideline.
1: Welcome to another podcast. Surprisingly, uh, of coffee with Dillion, starting to become more consistent. I have two amazing women that are doing amazing stuff. Uh, I don't like to name names, so the name they name their own names, and in sending government names and nicknames that are, are welcome. <coughs> uh, we are in in Hyde Park, Moneyland, uh, <laughs> in a, a restaurant that looks like, I don't know, something out of a uh, Wes Anderson movie or something like that. Uh, <laughs> it's
2: a great library look. i trying to be fancy. I wanted for they're... my library space. Is that going to not put me in the fancy world?
1: <laughs> so, so yeah. Yeah. So, hi guys, how are you doing?
2: Good, thanks, Dylan. How yeah. are you? Doing good. Doing good.
1: Introduce yourselves to the people, the masses that actually listen to this podcast, the 10 people that listen to this
2: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, 10 people. I am Busabuntu. I'm a disruptive media entrepreneur. I own a, a company called Busabuntu Pictures, a foundation called the Busabuntu Foundation, and they're all under my group, the Ombonisi Group.
0: Um, I am Sheetal Mangan, and I'm a filmmaker and unintentionally a provocateur at times, which I'm <laughs> testing out. Um, and I own a production company called Ackman Media, and it's an like indie-focused film company.
1: That's amazing. So, two women doing film.
0: Mm-hmm. What is yeah. the
1: film landscape like right now for you guys? You know
0: there's a lot of promise, I think. of change and access for yeah. women but the hard realities are still the hard realities man
2: i think I also Shital and i have a very different perspective because uh, Shital's had a very different journey in form um, and i think that might be interesting to share with yeah. like other women how in What's terms of how it's affected is? us because i think that you're right there is promise but like systematically is there a lot of shift we're not so sure of that yeah. so um you want me to start with mine? Yeah, or do start I? with you
3: gym. Okay.
2: Yeah. So, um, I, like Sheeta, we both studied at AFTA, we were in different years, and I graduated in 2006, and then I was fortunate enough to get a low-budget TV show as a presenter. So I graduated with live performance, and it was really educational, it was really interesting to see how low-budget television for ETV worked. Um, but I just knew it wasn't me. I I started sensing I was more into independent culture, and I spent about two years going to random um, ad auditions, and the casting process really just broke my spirit. (laughs) I was just like, this is not, I felt like I wasn't having a conversation with people, and I'm a super geek. I wanna feel like I'm in a space that makes me always feel like I'm learning. And then there was a seminal moment, I think it was 2008, I did, an HBO BBC show called the number one ladies detective agency That's cool. yeah and it start just cut yeah and uh, <coughs> it had Weinstein money so <laughs> we all got trapped in the Weinstein bubble somehow. Um, but we I mean, if Weinstein gets to Jill Scott, it's just I mean, evil, he reached evil. us in Botswana, this man. <laughs> um, he didn't come on set, though, thankfully. Um, so we were filming in Botswana, and it was I was a featured role. I mean, all my scenes were with Jill Scott, but... I didn't have a lot of dialogue in terms of I wasn't recurring, I was in that one episode and I had my own trailer and I was treated with, babe I was like, what's happening? But it was the level of professionalism and the level of care, even if it was false, there was just this sense of you are valued here for your skills and so we will treat you that way and it just shifted my whole perspective and I was like, right, I need to learn more I left after, I didn't feel like the barriers that existed across the media space were things I could change. So then I went to Paris and I studied uh, at a school called L'École Internationale de Théâtre Jacques Lecoq and it teaches you about the language of gesture. People would call us mimes but we know that we understand the language of gesture Um, and I just didn't like Paris so much so I didn't stay for my second year I then went to go do my Masters in England which is uh, an MA in arts uh, filmmaking and creative economy and that's where I learned how to actually be an entrepreneur in the creative industries because you run a company for a year in the degree and they teach you how to literally create a product put it into the market space and go through that process of business behavior yeah. um, and it was incredible the university then sponsored me for two years to run and test usabuntu pictures in london it was phenomenal and i just made some short films i made a short film called izulu which we took to Cannes for exhibition in the short film corner and I felt very much in power of my journey and control, but also very much broke. You know, I lived in London and (laughs) it's an expensive city and so I had about four jobs at one go. I worked in retail, I worked in everything that I could work in to be able to put that money into paying my rent, which is my largest overhead, and doing stuff and learning how to make this business work. And now I've come back home with that knowledge. I work with the film and publication board Of South Africa and understand better how to regulate content now, which has also been an invaluable education. And I'm just, you know, back home trying to see how I can build. A production company a disruptive media company because we don't only do film we create for live performance too um, that education I have in Paris for me is really much about how do you put bodies in this space and have them respond and create a language that's very much in line with my activist nature you know like our bodies are activists in themselves so um, that's a huge part of the company too um, and yeah just learning I'm all about learning and trying to see how these systems can be a partner to a disruptor. Interesting, Interesting yeah. Thanks. That was long winded. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. I mean I definitely
0: take refuge in to for any entrepreneurial find as an artist or as a filmmaker you're not geared to think business and eventually you realise that you have to so it's kind of been a good kinship to find. Yeah. But I found that I kind of fell into film quite unintentionally. Um, just feeling that in terms of South Africa and where the kind of post-apartheid space was going that it was it was a really liberal space it was an invitation for people who were thinking people and then finding that filmmaking in itself is a, a kind of philosophical quest and i realized that i had that and that i wanted to kind of pursue it but so, I studied at Oxford for four years and then went out into the industry. and You realize that the industry is not really very concerned with your philosophical quests, particularly as a woman. Um, and it's not geared for our stories or our visions of entrepreneurship. And I found that that definitely has changed in the past five or six years. I think that there is a certain sort of urgency about women's stories becoming important and understanding that they have actual cultural and capitalist value and so it does feel like we're in the middle of you know yes it's all me too but it's also feeling like okay women are breaking through we're kind of getting into festivals and there's a part of me that feels a bit excited and euphoric about that and i've been able to benefit from that and 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 make films where i can travel through to festivals and feel like i can cultivate ideas and, and sit down with stakeholders and, and, and own those ideas. Yeah. But by the same token, I feel like the DNA of this industry is, is really masculine. It's very, um, you know, it's capitalist, but Jane Campion talks about it quite a bit, being a capitalism is a macho force. And yeah. as much as we're euphoric, we also know that there's a lot of pain that's gonna come with reshaping this industry and getting our ideas made so that women coming up behind us have it you know, easier. Have it, have it easier. So it's, it's, it's not, it's kind of like a mixed feeling of, I'm excited to work. I also know that the next 10 years of my life are probably gonna be quite painful. Mm. Yeah, that's um, interesting. So at the moment, I mean, I'm working on a TV series that's uh, about the South African Occult Unit. Uh, about the South African Occult
3: oh, okay.
0: Unit, Detective Unit. Um, and it's a bit of a satire about small town South Africa and colonial legacy and racism and yeah. othering and fear and and then two other films, one's a sci-fi about um, the Arab Spring, it's a kind of a dystopian take on, it's like a 1984 take on what happens if the Arab world really does not confront autocracy and and then a very personal form. that's kind of a love story about mental illness, um, yeah. I mean, I'm, so, I'm interested in film,
1: but I've never made a film. I've always tried to make films and mm-hmm. stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and, and the films that the ideas I currently have, I've I working with Vincent. He's been coaching me to try, to try to learn to write my ideas and all this stuff. Uh,
2: when you say Vincent, he's
1: Molloy. I if you guys know him. Did at the show?
2: Oh, tall, slender man.
1: He's no? not tall. He's short. Not
2: the actor. Mm-hmm. No. I'm thinking of the actor from Tokyo. I don't See I think my absence from him I've only yeah. been back home for two and a half years And I feel the five years I was gone yeah, A lot of happened. people came up mm-hmm. And I've, I'm have i now in their app ah. <laughs> I've come in in they are like How do you not know so and so And I'm sure I know them by face yeah. But I don't know the work related to them yet yeah. So I feel I'm paying a lot of catch up In terms of how How um, artists have come up in the industry, male or female, yeah. and, and in a way I kind of like not knowing because I would rather have a perception of somebody through work, yes. you know, I'd rather have worked with you or gone through a stage of knowledge sharing, like studying yeah. with you, and because i think for me that's what i value in other artists is the capacity to collaborate the capacity to learn from each other Um, and sometimes you know that when somebody is a part of a production particularly if it's a broadcast production that may not be how they want to express themselves it might not actually be how this artist wants to be seen as an artist but they are in a position where they can make an income and they support the story and are a part of it but Maybe there's no real passion, so yeah. I I always prefer to meet an artist on an artist's terms.
1: Tim's. you should check out his movies. Working like I don't know if it's out yet. Are, it's skulls of our people. It's about the Namibian genocide, and it's an interesting film that you I heard
2: good things about. Yeah, that.
1: so you worked on that. That's okay. like one of his passion projects and stuff. Okay. Uh, so
2: I've been nice. working
1: with him to try and figure out how to get my voice out there, and, and the biggest challenge has always been like yeah. the the ideas seem like, I don't know, the, the rest of the world would get them. So, mm. the current show I'm trying to work on, is uh, called Youth89, Youth it was born in 89, mm. but it's about tracking this guy's journey uh, as a young entrepreneur in Cape Town, trying to make this ridiculous idea of this happen, but it's about around the people around him that are important and how they shape his life and relationships he has and all that stuff. Because so I feel like currently we're not getting enough, enough content that actually is relatable for some of us. Yes. It's, it's relatable, yeah. yes, to the, broader, in, to the broader world, I guess, to, look to the broader South African context, but it's like, yes. I, I'm looking for that, you know, as Zanzari is problematic in his issues and all this stuff, but I, I yeah. love Master of None, and mm. the simplicity of the journey of trying to make something out of it, and, and the, the, the identity crisis and the whole growing up crisis, adulting, one-on-one kind of things, like yeah. having kids, having our kids. That's the kind of shows I'm trying to figure out how to make. Okay. Uh, with your guys, Take on the current storytelling campus, the campus. I guess what's happening right now in terms of public TV, but also indie. how do you how do you feel about that? Like in terms of the stories, are they relate, very relatable, or you feel like they're too? I,
0: I think the culture is 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 maturing, and it has a lot of catching up to do. Yeah. I think apartheid's done a lot of damage to film mm. culture and to, to television. Yeah, and, <laughs> and you know, healthy film culture is a response, mm. and 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 people like. What you're describing about what you want to speak about in Cape Town is, you know, it's a response to life, it's a response yeah. to society. We're kind of slowly getting there, but I find that in television at the moment, even though it's like a golden era for television globally, the local thinking is, it's very, it's, it's like global. selling oil to people,
3: yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, it's
0: LSM driven, it's not <laughs> ideas driven. Yep.
3: Yeah.
2: And you're like, why? Yeah.
3: Um,
2: and I think the thing is, the people who have the capacity to actually be risk takers are the only, um, I don't want to say brand names, but the only subscription uh, brand yeah. that we have there because they have the capacity to become like an HBO. I mean, mm. I'll just say a DSTV, because they're the only one. <laughs> but DSTV is the one who should be taking the risk because they're a private mm. entity. Yeah. SABC has so much that they can't do because they just want to legislation. They are a state entity like BBC, you know, they, they, they are so many places that they can go. You know and what they need i think because i also feel people need to just bring in and reel in their expectations for the national broadcaster because the reality is it's always going to be the national broadcaster what we need from it is for it to start looking the way we film it if i'm filming on an hd camera and then i go look and it's an analog
3: image <laughs> it
2: hurts my soul <laughs> um, and i'm just like it's 2018 but in truth i think the failure Maybe the one good thing about the corruption um, narrative that has been happening for the past 10 years in our country is that it played a role in that digital migration thing that was supposed to happen. And I think it saved us a lot of money, that corruption as such, because it would be null and void by now, because the digital space is now platform driven, it's stream driven. So if SABC had spent all that money putting in systems across our country for a digital migration to just stop looking like analog, they would have wasted a lot of money because now with the way the internet works, all they need is to create like BBC iPlayer for themselves and SABC iPlayer where you now go online and you look at SABC online and you see the images the way that they were filmed versus how you see it on your TV. So I think it's given... The institution an opportunity to be like okay I'm not supporting corruption in this statement I'm merely saying that if there was a silver lining and all of that poor behavior is that our national broadcaster was saved a lot of money that it can now hopefully look at into putting into supporting young people who are, who can work within their mandate so I think for me One of the things, just before I forget, I really think it would be useful for anyone listening to this to hear about your experience with the public sector and like funding applications and stuff because I'm not very good at that stuff Um, and I think that a lot of women and a lot of... um, up-and-coming filmmakers especially of you know brown people ethnicity would appreciate that kind of knowledge because it, it's kind of it's knowing the rules yeah it's knowing how to fill in that application the things that you have to say where to
1: even apply in the first place. exactly yeah. and how, yeah.
2: who to speak to when you need help because we're very much about knowledge sharing yeah. and I think that's something she took it really yeah. give as empowering to other people whereas yeah. I can help you with disruption <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I, I, I digressed there. I can't remember what yeah. the question was But my, my question
1: is, like, <laughs> I mean. You mentioned something interesting there about like the lack of digital digital migration. I was pretty excited about that, like our, uh, because like you mentioned, like I think it'd be nice to see the, the way things were shot. Yep,
2: <laughs> I <laughs> uh, shot on a cannon. This does not look like a Canon outcome. <laughs> you know?
1: and, and it's interesting. Like I'm, I don't think SABC would even be bothered to even invest in a high player. AI, AI, AI field, like, uh, I I I feel like our in know. terms because like of the way they work. I think unless there's some political buzz around it. So, so, was it really? I don't know what your perception after it and I stuff. I
0: think that in South Africa, people really need to catch up. Yeah, I feel like when you go to India or you go to other parts of Southeast Asia, mm. like. Like digital the and Christian. the internet is, is probably the most democratic way of consuming media. Yeah. And yeah. in, in South Africa, you know, it's it's a problem we have with all industry, particularly in the creative industry in South Africa. It's like this top dog.
2: Yep. People don't so want to break the mentality. top dog mentality.
0: Yeah. There are too many people at the top making too much money from.
2: And the I Australian think you guys thing. are also missing like the real problem. It's actually broadband. because even if SABC did shift over as a state Mm -hmm. entity into a digital space the reason we're not in line with Asian spaces like India like China Mm. is because we're still dealing with like two providers who provide broadband and then they give it to Mm. telecoms Mm. who still like charges more than they would in Nigeria so that's the real problem when it comes to like how are we as audiences going to be able to consume content in that manner and that's why I was like I don't think it's government that doesn't have an appetite for mm. it. I think they have had. So DSTV
1: basically benefits from the hundred percent,
2: hundred percent. That monopoly culture. <laughs> top yeah, top and top. the thing is, they are the only current yeah. subscription platform across Africa
1: that looks like what you shot, basically.
2: Exactly, <laughs> and we'll throw so much money at you, which is helpful when you get in there, but getting in there is so hard. So hard. And um, I think I, I look forward to the day where thinkers like Sheetal and myself are in those spaces because I think both for the public provider, SABC and for DSTV, there's much that can still be learned from them. Um, but there's also much disruption that must, come from, must come from them, and by from them I mean like we, as up and coming, where we have the capacity to, must disrupt them, must create more access for new people mm. to come in and mm. make the make the same loud noise we made for fees must fall, for data must really fall. Mm. And yeah. you know, uh, I like that the South African community is still calling that out because it, they're playing games with us. Mm. How can our telecoms company? MTN charge less for broadband in Nigeria.
3: Yeah.
2: It's because when they got to Nigeria, Nigeria Nigeria's like, Shame, you're the new kid on the block here. Yeah? We've they had independence for yeah. fifty years, so you need to come down. And yeah. they had to because they knew the market was worth it. But with us, they're like, ha, 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 you have not Your other options choice. are limited. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: I mean
1: that's interesting because I remember when ShowMax was launched in South Africa, I was pretty excited, I'm like, damn okay, things are about to change and stuff and then they partnered up with DSTV and I was like, oh, okay. It's not so
2: much a partner up, they were a DSTV subsidiary from yeah,
1: the beginning. What were they? I didn't know that. I thought, I thought it was more like someone came up with an idea and then merged with our DSTV and stuff. And that's interesting to watch because I, I really thought maybe they were commissioning more more content like ne- like what Netflix was doing.
3: Because Some of my favorite yeah.
1: shows by Netflix are not necessarily American or European, like Absolutely. British. They are, they are like the more... Like like European films, like oh, independent, stuff. independent stuff that's yeah. on Netflix. That's interesting, like detective shows and all that stuff that you never would have watched anywhere else. But but through Netflix, you're able to kind of see the world in a different yes, yeah. lens. And Showmax, I think kind of lost that and it's funny GSTV going to the castle broadcasting and saying, complaining making their complaint about how Netflix is unplaying. playing what unfair I think that mm. they know they, they, the whole thing mm. about it what do you guys thought on that like our like you're saying disruption do you think that there's a need then for someone one of us to create our own digital platform
2: yeah so that's a space for that yeah I, I think we've been testing yeah. it with some to pitches for three years now how to create a digital platform, a streaming platform, because it is, and I was saying this to Sheetal yesterday, like we are in the era of being pioneers. Yes. We just need an investor who's gonna understand us and invest in our concept, and that's hard. And truthfully, I've had to learn the hard way that maybe I need to look outside of the African continent for an investor um, where I have main ownership, but like who's just gonna understand the benefits of creating a digital streaming platform in Africa with an African perspective.
0: Yeah, I mean, I also think sort of satellite streaming is like really outdated. But, yeah. but you know, Netflix is kind of I think it's it's a good primer for a market like Africa just to, to sort of get us into the streaming mm. yep. culture. Teach them
2: what it's about.
0: But like in the Arab world, in so many parts of, you know, what African audiences want to see and what Netflix is going to buy and commission are not going to and be the same. And not going to be the
1: same thing, definitely. So eventually they'll there
0: will be an African streaming and service.
1: And what do you guys think about Quesa? But it's still satellite yeah. also at the same time, but with some digital.
2: I think the thing is the East is leading a lot when it comes to digital uh, progression and streaming. Mm. When you go to Kenya and you speak to Ghanaians, they're yeah. just different dialogues when it comes around it. And it's truthfully because the broadband conversation for them is moving, it's progressive. Yeah. They mm. don't have such monopoly strongholds in their country. Yeah. And so there's been mm. investors who've invested in new ideas because they understand that this is not the future, it's the current.
1: Well it's funny because Zimbabwe is doing better at this than we are. It's that's the funny th- thing, th- like. Yeah, yeah. It's not funny it's to
2: not me funny at all. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, the, not funny. And, and it's not and it's not surprising. That's <laughs> exactly. what I mean, is that um, Zimbabwe, Robert Mugabe, for all his faults, kicked out monopoly behaviour when he got in there. He was like, I'm going to do it violently. We and say this while
0: sitting in the heart of Monopoly capital.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but you have to look at the behaviours. and I'm not condoning in any way how things happened in yeah. Zimbabwe, but what certainly happened was a cutting off of monopoly behaviour. Because South Africa transitioned peacefully, um, and a lot of things we were sold out on, and we're now realizing 25 years how much of us was still given away in those treaties and yeah. those sunset clauses. Um, It doesn't surprise me at all that Zimbabwe is already more progressive. They don't have as many rich barriers. Like you're talking about someone who can throw a billion rand to shut your business down.
1: I know. And that's that's petty cash in their world. (laughs) Do you know
2: what I mean? And I don't think that that culture exists in places like Zimbabwe and Kenya and Ghana. And if it does, it's overpopulated by a more democratic entrepreneurial nature.
1: Yeah, it exists in Zimbabwe, but I, I think at a, at a different angle. I think uh, I, I, what Strive did with Quest uh, actually—it's funny how he is making a mess for DSTV in Zimbabwe. Like, we are starting to like for him to get the, like the NBA to such to get mm. onto kind of kill DSTV, uh, and also like his, his appreciation of local content and stuff. I don't know how it's they're pizza. doing now, mm-hmm. uh, in, like in terms of on the continent. Mm. But from what I've heard so far, and also like I mean he owns. Yeah. The, the, one of the, 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 the banks and, and telecom providers, oh, so, so that helps
2: yes it does, <laughs> <laughs> wish I owned you, you the know? bank and a telecom, that's it Yeah, that's so, it. so that Having kind of connection, capacity. the
1: capacity and stuff, you can control the market yes. easier than so and then also I want to ask something about around uh, what is it, I think I'm very forgetful sometimes, but anyway let's move on <laughs>
3: okay. uh,
1: oh yeah, about youth you, so you mentioned something about like uh, being sold out right now, so youth mom then yes, it's tomorrow is June tomorrow. 16 yeah. and, uh, that's always funny to watch for me it. because I'm like okay wait what is actually supposed to happen? Like mm. I, I never really, I, I always feel like the country always gets sold out. The young people get sold out on this day more than any other day because mm. then now they're shown as think pieces for the first time. But then throughout the whole year, young people, you don't don't see them much on TV, but Mm. all of a sudden, now you're seeing young people on every single TV show for Mm. this month and stuff. What do you guys think is young people in South Africa? I'm I'm, I'm young, but I'm not South African, so it's always like
0: a... I'm I'm, I'm South African, but I might not be young anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You're not over 35, so statistically you're you're still young. You're
1: still fine according to this government and stuff. (laughs) What do you guys view? I always wear my
2: blazer on June 16th because i grew up in a bigger conscious household and that day is very important to me and my family we know what it means to us as young people um, in terms of what those kids lives mean to us and what they lost for us to have today so it's a very important day to me and um we actually ran for the Busabuntu Foundation we had a we have a program called Injangnon and it's about using creative processes to solve problems. Mm. So we worked with hundred kids in Soweto and taught them through music, film, theatre, dance and art how to make something. So through art they made sculptural work that was a response to June 16. Through theatre we taught them a lot of the teachings I learned at my school in Paris where you had to perform in a confined space yeah. and how do you Take a picture and make it into a physical movement. And there were various creative processes. Kids made documentaries about yeah. their neighborhood. It was fantastic. Um, and we spoke to one of the lecturers at VITS, I forget his name, and he was just so insightful. And the whole process was really insightful around actually what June 16 and being youth means to the youth. And I think what you're saying is valid is that you're not seeing them on TV all the time. But the youth is very active in South Africa yeah,
1: definitely. and
2: I was in London when the Fees Must Fall movement started yeah. and I was so proud because for me Fees Must Fall as a movement was an echo of exactly what 76 was. Yeah. It was the youth saying, we're tired, you sold us out in this way, like spaces that are calling themselves universities do not function like universities, they function like private colleges. Mm. And and then you turn to government and government's like, but there's nothing I can do. These deans don't want to lower their income. And that's really what it comes down to, is that UKZN didn't have as many uprisings because UKZN is predominantly owned by the public state. So they are really a university. That's what university means as a word. If you go anywhere else in the world, university means that it's a state owned entity. entity where you have a private ownership but the majority of it is state supported so you can give more scholarships mm. so you can give more easier access to students to find education all three of us sitting at this table could go and study in Germany for free as long as we wanted as foreigners yeah. because it is now free not just for them as nationals but, but for, for anyone and you don't even need to speak German because there are institutes there that teach in English so that, that's why I was so proud, because I'm like, yeah and some people are like, do you really think education should be free? I'm like, yes <laughs> education is actually a human right, it's not a privilege private, <laughs> it's not a communism thing, private education for me, is not, that's a privilege, yeah. that's why you have private schools but to say that kids must still not have access to knowledge that empowers them, because that's what school is that's what educational institutes are they're giving you skill to out into the world and survive, that's and health those are human rights yeah. education and health are not privileges and we've been mm. taught that by an oppressive perspective but and to say i'm communist because i think it is just like it's a part of it it's that response of like and i know you were being you say yeah, it in jest yeah, but, yeah. It, but it's that it's that feeling of like something about this shouldn't be happening (laughs) you know you're like no 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 you deserve you deserve to know as much as you can before you go out into the jungle that is the workspace so I definitely feel very passionate about the youth and I think that the youth move every nation forward and the minute the youth stands up and shows you that they can resist peacefully they can resist consistently because that's what these kids did they were there every year and then it became popular when it got to the more expensive universities but it was happening in Limpopo it was happening in Bloembritain in free State, and then when it finally got to Joburg and Cape Town then it hit the press but these kids showed me that As a 32-year-old woman, I can look to 20-year-olds, 18-year-olds, and know that they know what they deserve. And they have a lower level of tolerance of (laughs) the things that have been taken away from them than we did, because we're still like, oh my gosh, yes Zulega, put your fist up for not putting relaxer in your hair and wearing your afro to school. Put your fist up because it took me back to boarding school where I had to relax my hair so that I could normalize into a Western identity. But here's this little girl at like 12 years old, saying I'm not changing my hair. So shout out to Lega Patel for inspiring me as a thirty two year old woman to remember that young girls aren't going through that. And they're seeing that they don't need to go through that. I have to be honest,
0: I am like painfully skeptical of awareness months of any kind. I find it like it's like insidious. Yeah. I feel like our government has basically promise re-education just to stop people from protesting, yeah. to silence them. I don't think that there's a clear strategy or platform or
2: idea it's already happening. Students did it at the beginning of this year.
3: Have participated in is already
2: there. Sorry, I had to call you out on that, I mean, I don't know, I stopped following the conversation Yeah, no, it's already happening.
3: Yeah.
2: It started this year. You just have to showcase that your family can't pay for your schooling. And you have to constantly, like every other institute, you just have to show that you need it. And, um... I know this because my cousin's daughters didn't get in, and so my mother had to try and help them at UKZN, where their mother, our late great-aunt, their grandmother, passed away and she was Chancellor at UKZN. So it was really easy for them to get in, like they had legacy at an institute, and they just had to follow the rules, but sadly, um, my nieces and nephews are not the most... Um, hard-working that, people <laughs> so that was their own fault but yeah. in response to what you're saying your skepticism is fair but in that regard it's already underwear it's already happening that, I, that, I mean so. that is something that makes yeah. me hopeful about yeah. South Africanness of just
1: and young people taking action and being
0: and as a, a society that we, we deal with things and we try and deal with things optimistically and passionately mm. and you know and you, you kind of we make enough noise things will change yeah and That's
1: it's,
0: Interesting. yeah Question
1: on so, so okay, so the fought the, the for the education and stuff, and so now let's talk about the quality of education, particularly in film school and stuff and, and the creative industries. I, I always, I mean, I'm a big advocate for education, but I, 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 I've been at institutions and I've worked with students a bunch of times, uh, and, and I always find they lack like, a lot of education of the real world, practical.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think the art world, the creative world, the film yeah. world, really rely on elite circles to function. It's, yeah. part of the, it's part of the DNA, it's part of the whole mm-hmm. construct of the thing. And so these schools are overpriced, they're inaccessible, and in South Africa, that basically means that the, the really cool, really talented, popular, like filmmakers that should be coming up, which are kids from the township, who understand way more about a pop audience than I'm never going to know, yeah. are not getting through they don't make it through, they, they're kind of they're punished in form school. And well, yeah,
2: we, we also have a very particular lens on form school, because mm-hmm. we went to a private
0: yeah.
2: school, um, AFTER is a private institute. You mm-hmm. um, learn know,
1: everything there, Did you learn like so the it business was
0: ver- side. No, no they not would not all. give you the keys to the <laughs> kingdom, they're like, yeah, you don't use a camera, I'm going to throw you they've,
2: they've started. They've started teaching entrepreneurship in the producing, I think, but I think it's also just, they didn't know. That's honestly my feeling is, yes, they don't want to give us the keys to the kingdom, always. We know this. They still haven't given us our land back. We know. (laughs) Standard. But when it comes to, actually, the truth is, my feeling is that a lot of these people who are running in the media industry have very basic level skills because they learned during apartheid and their pigmentation got them work, not their skill. And so if you go into work based on something that's not skill driven, once people come up who've learned the skill yeah. and are are reading about European filmmakers, Latina filmmakers, like are actually interested, like you said, who are thinkers, we're now competing with a dude who happens to be Caucasian and happened to be able to pick up gear. And so that's why there's a fear response and there's no passing on of knowledge mm. from these guys because it's a case of my feeling is a case of, you know, they don't know what else to do. So our education at AFTA was what I think our leaders knew, and there's a rumor can Don't cannot, call them leaders, these are not... <laughs> I don't know what else to call them, I, without, I'm trying to be as PC as possible. <laughs> With the owners of the institute, okay, so the on, there's a rumour that they started AFTA because they were being excluded within the industry. And so AFTER became their way of creating short films that they could make, go oh. to festivals and using young people. So it's like a company structure. Yeah. So And I, I got that feeling when I was at AFTER. It was, like it was structured like a company because there was no strong curriculum. That was my That's my criticism of my schooling days. Yeah. That, when I think of Vitz Kids, and I why I think it'd be interesting for you to speak to someone who went to Vitz or yeah. Rhodes, because um, I think they had a very different structure, far more classical structure to their training. Vitz, I think, has just started introducing film, and we didn't have classical structure at all. Like, it was very much it like was the a film v- it industry. It was a very, like, made up, yeah, <laughs> it, was it was a business, though, like, like, how like, we you get tell these kids to make movies? You couldn't tell it's going to be a fly-by-night
0: thing, yeah. but they've, they've survived, and they've a- done well. Absolutely. <laughs> training and, training. and they're getting more and
3: more support. Yeah. But I
0: think the one thing I really resented about the whole experience is just, um, it had so much post-democracy, like... White liberalism? <laughs> yeah, like it had this agenda, that we, weren't, we weren't allowed to tell stories, we had to save
2: the nation, we had to give it hope, and it was just like... I think they were campaigning to be seen as a a, a genuine tertiary
3: institute because
2: while I was there, they were still not recognized by the educational department. So maybe that was part of like, look at us, we are liberal free, like look at us white liberals, we're part of the struggle.
0: <laughs> no, I mean the, the slogan of the school is, in, is a Khoisan slogan I mean it's like it's all quite like beautiful post-democracy yeah. stuff beast know, where you just like
2: <laughs> but I think
0: it's I mean it started on earnestly. It's definitely served its function I don't think we would be here
2: today if it didn't yeah. exist and other filmmakers they, other they filmmakers definitely have, have given a lot of young kids who would have not had access to that skill a space mm. go to that skill I mean a space to gain that skill but like Sheetal said it's still exclusive very few kids can yeah. afford 40 Grand a month, and that was in 2006. Yeah, it's more now in 2018. Um, for education, and but I I mean, I taught taught there for a year, and and
0: six months into the program, got really frustrated because um, I had kids in my class who were not participating, Um, like they wouldn't put up their hands, they wouldn't engage, they wouldn't necessarily submit things on time. And then you'd see their films, and their films were amazing, yeah, because they were shooting in Banak, they were working with crews in Banak, and you sort of bring it up to AFTO and go like, I think some of your most talented kids are going to get lost in the process of you trying to be an academic institution enforcing English and these kids need to be making films more than me actually. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an upper middle class Indian girl, like, you know, 10 people are going to want to watch what I want to talk about. <laughs> but this is a really important person for you to back. And they come up with a really superficial response of like some kind of summer English school thing.
2: So oh, so rather than learn isiZulu, the most spoken language in the country, mm. let's continue to impose a European language on people. Like, This is not an academic
0: craft, you know what mm. I mean? I mean, you can get
2: academic about
0: it, but like, yeah. like film is not meant to be it's very practical. Academic, yeah. And
2: the academic, the theory side of film is for you to understand the difference between appropriation and appreciation. If you learn how to reference well as a filmmaker, as a storyteller, as an artist, you'll never appropriate because you'll definitely give reference to the place that you got your information from because you've changed it and made it your own. You will manage to be inspired by that reference and you didn't plagiarize. Mm. And I think that's where theory is important in mm. art. Um, but yeah, 90% practical. What are you doing with, with your body, with your hands, whatever type of artist you are. We know people are coming to see something and it's not... Book,
1: (laughs) it's not your test results, yeah. 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 That's that's super interesting Uh, because I mean, I think our disciples. I just
2: want to say also, just because we're on record, Boston is, I think, one of the more interesting institutes right now for young people who cannot afford places like After Office because they have a rather integrated curriculum. Go and check it out if you're interested in film. Their film studies includes media law, it includes counting, it's now teaching kids around business whilst they're learning how to make films. So, yeah. if, if of those 10 people, one of you also wants to make a film like Dillian, uh, or you know a young person who does, yeah. um, I, w- I would say start at Boston.
1: Do you think if, education is important to, like, if you say for example you have access to gear and you want to shoot a film mm. do you think going to school is important or is it just more the act of making films?
3: Uh, I
0: think I think being like, as far as films concerned, I think being a, a, like an in-tune switched on Educated person who's concerned about the world is more important than knowing how to frame a camera. I think that can be gained. I think
2: it's a it's a catch twenty two in my opinion because one, what do you consider to be education? Like, like I mean, education the school and all. Like, you know, okay, yeah. so like state institutes or tertiary education. Like all after right. and all. So, so in stuff, that yeah. context, I think that your talent will always supersede whatever education you get oh. from whatever institute you get. However. Mm having worked on sets with people who did just pick up the camera and start a YouTube channel you do a lot of catch up mm. when you have been educated yeah. you have because you know how to get to something a lot quicker and the other person still figuring it out, because they are now being educated in practice. in
1: practice. And there's
2: nothing wrong with that, but it definitely puts you in a game and in a a playground where you're going to be working with people who are learning in practice too. Because it costs me too much to be teaching you whilst trying to film a series too. Um, I would rather do a a programme with you over the summer where I build you up and then you come in on an apprenticeship. Um, I I believe hugely in apprenticeships uh, because Mm -hmm. I can't now bring down the quality of all the studies that I've done because it has an agenda. There's a vision behind those models within my company but a huge part of my company is about upliftment and it's about skills transferal and knowledge transferal so I don't think that you have to. Um, You do like Sheetal says just have to be interested and curious in the world around Mm -hmm. you and then have I think a strong perspective. That's I mean, like it's not its out. not
0: an easy skill to, to At all. cultivate and Cause acquire. Because it also
2: downplays how hard we work when we're like, we you yeah. don't need the education no, no, and no, people no, are no, like, I can be a filmmaker. It's very,
0: very, very intensive years to leave with that skill. but And it's, it is great, but I think what I'm trying to point to is that there's no There's no training in terms of how do you go out and then build a career as a filmmaker. Yes. Like nothing, nothing, nothing prepares you for that. For that. I felt like my education around that came from just traveling film festivals and you've got to like save up and sacrifice holidays yeah. to just go out and but be at festivals and understand. that's why so
2: important to me because you and I had yeah. the, the, the privilege through our family structure to mm. go overseas and mm. seek this knowledge. I was mm. fortunate enough, you know, the National Arts Council sponsored me for my studies in France. Um, medicine, By the way,
1: you must apply because it's closing next week. Please apply. Do it.
2: it. It happened for me. It can happen for you. I'm a young Zulu girl. But also tried, people don't want you to chance. break
0: into the film. You know, like, uh, we went to a talk yesterday with Neri Sabanda and I was like, and I was just talking about how you know, the imagination is the seed of power in society and people don't really want you to break in and change. If you make a film that empowers people to want to think and be different, mm-hmm. It's dangerous. It's the monopoly dangerous. structure
2: will not let that live. It's
0: very dangerous yeah. and I think I think artists who take those risks often pay very big prices.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's why my point was going to be like...
0: So nobody wants you to go to the festivals, nobody's yeah. going to tell you, exactly. go, so I'm going to tell you, just exactly. go to the festivals, you'll yeah. learn more about what and this industry is And if you can't
2: make it to the festivals, know that we are in a space right now where we're trying to make it more accessible here at home. Like That's one of my missions. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what as a brand, as an idea, is all about making access to that kind of knowledge easier for people who are interested in it. Um, And knowing that maybe one day we will have the kind of funding available to take 10 kids to a festival run every year. And it would be for them to learn, you know, you'd be a runner, you'd be running around doing admin, but you'd be in the festival environment and who knows, three years later it would be your film showcasing.
1: That's super interesting.
2: That's like a, and yeah. also, sorry, she's a very strong feeling about Western uh, festivals. Do you, don't like work, yeah, yeah, don't go to European festivals to try to have them validate you. This would be my advice to any non-Western filmmaker. Don't go to these festivals and um, think that Cannes or Berlinale yeah. or Venice is there, or Toronto is there to to validate you as an artist. I mean, we need to get
0: over this because it's a Western list, perspective standard for culture. Yes,
2: because it's not the standard. There are elements, there are gems that are extraordinary in this world. But the Western perspective, especially on Africans, yeah. what the West has taught to be African is not how we yeah. view ourselves as Africans. So when you present your films there, in the African corner, they're like, we don't get it. <laughs> and it's because they have their own idea Ideas and Africans their own written histories about what Africans are. So yeah. it's a good place to learn. It's a good place to exhibit. But it's definitely not somewhere that you should hold in high regard because you can do better. Those are
0: tools, you know, they're tools. And yeah. they? I feel like people get really caught up in there are development labs and there are all sorts of things that are attached to festivals that are about helping mm-hmm. people cultivate talent and, and I think because we really do have a lot of scarcity issues in mm-hmm. Africa and in yep. South Africa around this industry. People want to go there and like think about, think about it as an accolade but in reality great filmmakers don't go through labs, mm-hmm. there are very few people who define culture who are like or a homegrown in a lab you know like it's 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 a bit of a it's great for women because it gives you a little bit of extra clout to say that this lab and that lab have yeah. approved you but at the same time you know my personal experience with some of them have been if you're trying to be disruptive in your in your thinking and in your storytelling you don't really want colonial thinking to come in and yeah. restructure that for you and make it safer like, why would you want that? No. I don't really understand it. Um, and it,
2: it does take going through the process to understand that you don't want it. Because I was yeah. so happy and I'm, I would still go back to kind, I'd go back wiser, mm. but I held it on high. And when I got there, I realized, no, you know what, this is a trade, trade fair. And that is what these festivals yeah. are—they are trade, trade fairs. fairs. I mean, if you were taught from the, business, exactly, really. I mean, if you were taught from the beginning, if we were taught it after that this is a trade mm. fair mm. that may come with a great accolade if your work is good, mm. then you would have a different approach, a smarter approach, mm. a more mm. confident approach, knowing that you're there to represent your work and get somebody to sign a contract but to distribute it.
0: I do, I do have this worry that the, the, the filmmakers out of Africa who are breaking through into the international market and the festivals at the moment are kind of. Being curated by either really or colonial ends. or really American <laughs> capitalist sort of like you know there's there's always like definitely for lack of Western a better word there's always yeah. the white guy in the room who's sort of holding your hand and pushing you through the door which is which is concerning to me because I feel like women have a, we have a, a kind of a different approach. Ca- our capacity to disrupt is also like we can change the power dynamics. Mm. We can we can change that this this. Craft is like so patriarchal, you know. Yeah. It's, it's it's very is vertical. It's it's the director at the top is God and everyone else is a slave. It's like it's like we can come in and sh- really shake it all up. So we need to. And what's
2: interesting is that make sure that we're
0: not having having a, a, another person
2: like Weinstein.
0: We're not having basically. Oh, how do I say this without being like so... Oh, just say what you mean. Yeah, like don't have, you don't have like a white person who's holding your hand in this space because they're going to groom and condition a version of you that is probably not going to be as impactful. Yeah.
2: And rightfully so, you as an artist though, as a brown person, also need to have the confidence in that room to stand for yourself. Mm. You can't put all and place all your confidence and capacity on that person if you are ever in that situation. But what I was going to say as well is that it's like, for me, that's the Western lens. But what's funny is that the patriarchy also exists within the Asian lens because, you know, India is (laughs) is the biggest film industry. Even though Hollywood hypes itself up, it just doesn't touch the numbers that India does, which is why I don't call the Indian film industry Bollywood, because it would suggest that the better film industry wants to be lesser. (laughs) And I don't think that's the case. but the, the patriarchy and the supremacist structures, you know, as much as I think supremacists are basic and limited and lack evolutionary coding, they've been very effective yeah. and they've gone from a macro to a microcosmic infiltration of our societies. So that's what I think is very important about what Chito was saying in that. When women are in spaces and true feminists, who don't only happen to be women, but like if it's a woman and she's a true feminist, which for me means true equality. You know, I don't look at the suffragettes in England as a feminist movement. I look at it as a catalyst for a feminist movement. Because the civil rights were the first feminist movement, because everybody got a vote. In the suffragette movement, it was only Caucasian women, and I think that's just because of the power they had, Mm. and what they did was important, but men who were not Caucasian didn't get a vote, and women who were not Caucasian didn't get a vote, and that's what feminism is to me. And so, harking back to what I was trying to echo about Sheetal's point is that when feminists are in spaces that have been really oppressive and have not given people access to opportunity, they shift it they disrupt it and they create new worlds and they create new opportunity and they create the potential for us three sitting here to be pioneers.
0: Although what, what, what is always kind of like funny to me is, is, you know, this is the level of intensity of conversation that we probably have every time we hook up and have a cup of yeah. coffee. <laughs> this is a and, general
2: conversation. I've been thinking about like
0: like the guys who are at home. It's like yeah, no, I'm not I'm allowed just allowed to, to make a, a superhero movie. Like, like men have this shit so much easier. They just sit around and they're like, yeah, let's let's make the next Matrix. You know, or some like other also, bullshit. Um, no
2: one will make another Matrix. Yeah. Yeah, some things are just easier. I call it generational wealth. And people yeah. think that it's just in money. No, but I mean, like, you're a dude. There's something you've There's inherited. something
1: in there. Absolutely,
2: because yeah. patriarchy said it, made yeah. it so, you know. Obama Obama is an example of, like, James patriarchy being like, oh, the non-Caucasians are getting upset in America. Let's bring it up.
0: They didn't get upset. They were like, we're never letting you guys do that shit ever again. And that's how
2: Donald got in. Yeah. but it's interesting because someone like uh, Barack Obama was
0: that makes me a little race. afraid for my life so <laughs> makes Obama. me a little afraid for my life of like I come Ooh, out Trump. making this like very anti-patriarchal I think you have to be so smart to dress it up as entertainment and make it pleasurable and like feed people the opium yeah. you know in a way that's they don't realise that they are being. Do you think
2: you think you're in more danger than people like um, Trevor Noah who are calling Donald Trump out every day? It's no, like, I think I think Trevor's in such a
0: fascinating space because I look at someone like Mia's like storyline yeah. and you're going, you know, she really MIA was. Mia is a musician, by the
2: way, dope ass woman. Check yeah, she's like
0: a Sri Lankan Tamil activist um, rapper and.
2: Dope, dope rapper.
0: Dope, 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 dope. Was re- was really like hard done by the establishment. Thing. Yeah, the yeah. Western
2: establishment. Can you please be specific because thing is we also have this tendency in our dialogue to continue to speak towards the western industry as if it is the industry yeah, like I we that. we are meeting MIA in Africa for the first time mm. when she came with this documentary mm. and she hasn't toured Africa and hasn't mm. had a campaign for African or the latin community or the asian community and i think that maybe if she'd had somebody on her team going Look, America's not giving you a four-year visa and you can't come in. Go sell your stuff in China, go sell it in South Africa, go to Japan, Japan. go to Brazil. I think if she'd had maybe somebody who was more disruptive and diverse, Um, she would have seen that actually the future is in the BRICS chain. These are the people who are going to be making money in the next 20 to 50 years because they're going to be competing with the World Bank as a cluster. So I think that that insight is not available to everyone. I mean, I think it's it's a bit like
0: Okay, I mean, there are parts of us who feel a bit betrayed that she went so hard forward to American culture and gave her life to being an activist within it. But then, you know, you think about someone like Trevor Noah and you kind of get it. Like sometimes people, these people have to be in that space. Yeah. Yeah, to change it. Yeah.
2: And the thing is, Trevor Noah being there, Barack Obama becoming um, president um, is all all very American. It speaks very much to the structure of the American racial issues they have because... I've heard jokes, and this is not in my perspective because I don't buy into colorism, but like often people would be like, yeah, you know, if you're half and half, you know we're, we're easing into it because there's still a bit of us represented from like a, a white yeah. perspective, and that because Trevor is half Caucasian, half African, yeah. Barack Obama was half Caucasian, half African, the Caucasian community is a li- the white liberals, as we call them. They're a bit more comfortable because they still feel like they're a part of it, which I think is a fair feeling for anyone to yeah. want to feel represented. And we are the majority in Africa, so for us, it's like we don't need a mix, <laughs> we know what we are, and our pigmentation has always been diverse divest, come, you know, go from Cairo to South Africa and you'll, you'll see what I mean, and um, that is a part of why someone like Trevor Noah is the face of The Daily Show and not someone who looks like Lupita Nyong'o has mm. married into the British royal family. There's certain levels in which I think the West's evolution and consciousness um, around diversity and inclusion and less supremacist behaviours. Has to be on their terms. That's what I'm seeing. They're doing it on just their terms.
1: Asked,
3: basically. Well, half asked for
2: us ask, because we have an African perspective, but for them, they are predominantly Caucasian. So, is it wrong for them to want to see themselves in the transformation of their heritage? And I'm not giving that as my opinion, but I'm just saying, like, I'm provoking that idea. Is that it's not
0: wrong. I just don't really care. It's yeah, there we are.
2: Like, why is this on my timeline got my own every struggles. day? I have my own struggles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, interesting. Uh, so let's
1: talk about. Uh, creative things I've always tried to build a community around creativity and people, and, mm. and particularly young Africans and stuff You might are, need
2: another drink. And... Yeah. Sorry. The, the, the
1: coffee's shit here.
2: I know, I figured that was your conclusion because <laughs> you like, you're not drinking
1: it. It's, it's flat. I don't know what that is going on. But anyway, uh, around community, what are you, particularly being in Johannesburg? I always find Johannesburg is an interesting place to be creative and stuff. What are what you guys' views in Johannesburg currently as a it's because right now every black like, person literally is living wherever they are to move to Johannesburg, to come to Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. That's like the this is like basically the city of gold for creators. This is the New York of mm-hmm. creativity and stuff. What are you guys use of that? I mean you guys being here and stuff. So. Were you guys both born uh, here?
0: I was I was born here I've um, since I was three. I have tried to leave many times unsuccessfully, like I love Johannesburg. I think it reinvents itself and it's always going through like this hardcore like rise and fall distract cycle. Yeah. And every time you're like, I'm done with it, I'm done with it, I'm done with it. And then it's like, oh my God, but it's innovating again. Why, why,
2: why? And, you're and just... I'm growing more than I would grow anywhere else in this city. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that what you're asking is an urban small town model that has existed since the dawn of time. I think our species will always go to the place with the greatest wealth for survival. Wow. Mm. Um, and Josie is the economic hub for... I want to say Africa, but it might sound arrogant to cities like Nairobi and Accra and Dakar, but it is in terms of what I see in our cities and the number of African nationals who come here um, to, to make something and can make something of themselves and the people who come from our smaller towns in South Africa outside of just the creative industry. You know, if you're a weird, perhaps put, if you're a weird woman like myself, like a weird Zulu girl with ocean blue hair, You're not really going to find a space for yourself to breathe in a small town like Emkumbunrov, which is where I was born. What I find there is solidity and peace and calm. And when I need to write, I go back home and I'm in my mountain. And that's the value that space has for me. But I'm a disruptor. I'm a competitive person and I'm I'm ambitious. So I need to be in a city like that. And I think that applies to every industry for any ambitious person. Being in a slow-moving town is not going to help you.
0: I think Durban is also very exciting right yes. now. Durban is new. It feels like South Africa. it feels like Johannesburg and Melville like fifteen years ago because Hipsterism hasn't really infiltrated. Yeah. Like, it's not about capitalism. To
2: kill it. <laughs> people don't
0: do cool things on Instagram and they just do them.
2: It's like, why are you taking a photo of yourself surfing, dude? Just surf.
0: Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's very earnest
2: and it's very cool. And I would encourage people to go out and Shout date out to KZN. I was born at Teguini. Hey.
0: <laughs> Where is Cape Town? Yeah, I don't know if you can save Cape Town. like.
2: Let's not speak about it because yeah, we're no, only this negative. You, yeah. it,
0: let's not give it. Yeah, option, we're giving it too it, much it,
2: time. Know, and we the, all and know that we think it's a problematic space. And I've met a lot of Cape Townians who do get in their feelings when we only speak negatively of it. But I
0: just I think that the, the thing that bothers me is that it's still trying to present itself as, as progressive, as an artistic hub, yeah. yeah. and yeah. it's not. But when you're out of touch with culture, because yeah. there's an ebony ceiling in that, like that it's yeah. not a safe space at yeah. all. Yeah. Then yeah. and you, it's still very
2: elitist. in kind of its of arts? Yeah. It's so it's art. uninspiring, and that's what I'm trying to say. Is like but it's pretty general, the, you can the, have the, It's Africa, it's standard. Um, We do not have the most glowing perspective on that space for true and valid reasons. But just to always give the other side of the coin. We're not saying After that the six space year is devoid. draw I think
0: the spiritual work will have been done. <laughs> All
2: right. We just got shade, 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 yeah. I'm trying to bring in some like peace and togetherness and saying that we know that there are good people there, trying to to be a part of the movement. I'm just saying, you no, know, I mean, don't but give I, up.
0: I think I'm saying it because I, I tried to move down and then when I came back to Johannesburg I just it was one of those things where
2: you were back in Africa.
0: I just, I feel <laughs> like Joburg has grits and, yeah. and, and, and and you have to be up for that, you yeah. know. You have to be up for the fact that this is not a city that's going we to We walk on gold, coat. baby. Yeah, We are walking on gold. <laughs> yeah. This is
2: the golden urban forest. That's what I call this space that I love so much and there is literally, our trees calm yeah. us and our gold, our gold keeps us going because Joburg is... There's definitely a contingency that come here and buy into the fake lifestyle of this city, like every city. That is not a joke thing. No. But this city, (laughs) sorry, my point was going to be like, this city's environment, outside of that fakeness of any city, we're all in agreement on that, um, is the fact that it's still African. You know, when I've seen very angry Caucasian women shouting at uh, black staff and Roards, these women are just sitting there like waiting for it to finish. And like talking to themselves, like, Gandilomundusa, You know, they're very aware of. Like, we're gonna keep it real with you, sister. We don't care if you own a million dollar yeah. house down the road. You treat us like people. See us and treat us like people. And that's the grit that I think we love about our city is that we don't tolerate that BS. We're not saying it doesn't happen. We're not but saying yeah. prejudice and conflict doesn't happen in our city. Yeah. But there's an attitude about our city where it's just like, we won't you deal with that rubbish. When you're kind of cultivating a level of
0: feminism as an artist, that's really important in order for you to actually go out and and do stuff and and, and pioneer I felt that when I was in Cape Town like the quality of conversations that I have in the support network of women who are doing things Mm. in Joburg and our capacity to talk about you know very frankly about how whiteness might be limiting you or how like patriarchy might be limiting Mm -hmm. you and how you can like you inspire each other and you give each other solace
2: yeah
0: whereas when you're in Cape Town (laughs) you're kind of
2: you can be, it can be really hard to find those Yeah, because so. most Caucasians in our country identify through whiteness. They don't even separate their Caucasianness from whiteness, because they don't understand that whiteness is a system. And that they introduced the word white and black to Africans with the Western invasion. And that they were trapped by that word before yeah. they even came to Africa. I learned
0: the other day that India is just colloquial slang for indigenous. Indian. Okay. Yeah, Indian <laughs> has no meaning. It has no meaning whatsoever. Ah,
2: uh, oh, the Western invasion yeah, keeps man. giving and giving We're learning and so giving. Much. But yeah, I think <laughs> <that's> unnecessary
1: <laughs> knowledge that we shouldn't have to learn. That's, that's I think that's the painful yeah. part about
2: oh, I think
1: ab- about colonization and mm-hmm. stuff. You know, mm-hmm. which is which is why I, I always fight with South Africans around using the word apartheid. I think when you use the word apartheid, you're limiting, you're forgetting a very key component that led to the apartheid phase, which is colonization. In yeah, terms. the Brits
2: did it to the you Dutch know, first.
1: They you know, So like,
2: let's practice apartheid on you and blame you for all of it.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> I, I think, I always, I don't know, I always find it fascinating that in Zimbabwe, I think that's why we, we're more, I guess, violent towards change, not, not, not change when it comes to white people, but not because to black people, which is hard. Yeah. Anyway, because government stayed there forever. <laughs> but the funny part is I was like, in South Africa, the discussion was apartheid never colonization. Which is a very key construct yeah. to yeah. the entire country. Yeah. But somehow it's always erased and all this stuff.
2: Well the Brits are famous for being rewriting <coughs> of history. I mean Churchill is a god and Churchill lent to the end of trade in many Indian communities. Yeah. Um, supported Cecil Rhodes. That's his Churchill.
3: Yeah. But
2: English people love him. And that's because he saved them in a time of need. Yeah. But then they proceeded to make him this hero without fault. Mm. And now what I think that Western culture is dealing with is us brown people writing our own books and being like, actually, no, this was it's this guy.
3: Like that's part of film. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. Film is art has that power across the board. Music, film, theater, people who are now given platforms to express <coughs> themselves and being like, listen, that agenda that you're dealing with has been skewed. And there's a reason the British didn't want to be seen as a part of what we live with now, this post-colonial reality, is because if you are not better the devil, you know, right? So if your devil is just the Africana identity, which is an amalgamation of German, Dutch, French, Huguenot peoples, The Brits are seen as like, well, we just came and we decided to stop fighting. (laughs) So then what can you do if people are seeing you as passive? You can steal more. You can create economies that exploit people more. And you'll be seen as passive and really with the people in the Commonwealths. So you're killing people with kindness. You're truly killing people with kindness and not in a positive way. You're smiling while you're stabbing no, someone. someone and so that's why I think it's been left out of the conversation. It's been a very strategic rewriting of histories, a language and an education, and creating a system where they can literally just be in the corridors of the horrors that happened on our continent. But we see you. <laughs> we know. <laughs> you want me
0: to do something? No, I think you said it. <laughs> 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 I mean, let's talk about, uh, you yeah. mentioned
1: something interesting about spaces uh, and communities where you can mm. have frank discussions. And mm. Uh, mm. what, like, I, you know, it's always funny, I, I struggle to find a space to kind of hang out at here in in, in, uh, in Johannesburg yeah. where I can meet other creatives and safely have come. Brand is okay, but then it's overdone. Ah, and, and there's too much cooling. What, what, what do you think is missing in terms of? I mean, you guys are filmmakers, so you yes. you primarily don't need necessarily a space to work from, but but, but maybe need a space to kind of showcase and create community and stuff. What do you think is missing in Johannesburg in terms of?
0: Johannesburg is mysterious in that sense, you yeah. know. And like it, it's 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 been a good thing on the one hand. Like I think about a space like Kitchener's, and I think about the fact that most of us have spent five years hanging out there. And
3: <laughs>
2: I like, left
0: sooner. The cool the cool thing about it is is, is The close friendships I have with people that I would spend time with in Kitcheners have all gone on to do amazing things. Yeah. And so it was definitely like a hub and people were incubating their, their, like, hustle in a way. Um, But Joburg is very bizarre in that it doesn't prioritize
2: space. I have a theory around
0: that. We're starting to see little pop, like, Hubs of gentrification everywhere, yeah. we're all excited, but...
2: I think the source... No, no, hubs for yeah. no not yet. I, I think my theory, and it's really an uneducated one, it's an empirical observation mm. one, is that I think because of all the displacement mm. and the creation of Soweto and the creation of places like District 6, I think that displacement really shifted the way in like how we engage as communities and so creating spaces where we can come together was dangerous you'd get killed you know you might get shot if you came together and congregated together so I think that there has to be a conscious shift amongst ourselves where we're not just congregating at taxi ranks anymore, we're not just congregating at Shisanyamas. We are going back to what our ancestors were doing before they were being displaced from their homes, sitting out putting chairs out in the yard and going to squares like the Europeans do, going and sitting by a canal and pulling out a drink. I think a huge part of Joburg's hubs will come once we Truthfully, take ownership of our streets again. From that debauchery that you said you have an aversion to in the city, from the violence. Um, I don't know.
0: I think monopoly capitals is just like there's too many shopping malls. Exactly, <laughs> we okay. have the most
2: malls in South Africa for like a country our size, and like that's ridiculous. I hate the mall entrepreneur. I hate mm. them because they kill Who's making business? money
0: of these things? That one you're upgrading person. All of them that now. one person. Someone. There's some. Re- and we're oh, creating because it's no,
2: you're not. You're creating renters. Yeah. And you're killing community you're killing the capacity to for people to create markets and be out in the street and have kaya licha have a market kukuleto has a market soweto has a market Tembisa has a market and that is you see that all over i saw it in london i saw it in paris i think we just need to start moving towards pop-up is a good place to start and then hub i think is the next level because you need to remind people that they can come together and be in safe spaces together yeah. and that's my theory and I don't know
0: Do you have any other problems we're here to solve them
2: <laughs> <laughs> we are solving world it's
1: hunger thing. next
2: week yeah, yeah. Okay, can I get the memo
1: please That'll be next podcast please
2: <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> I mean you guys share some really interesting insights and stuff I think lastly what advice do you have for other young creators on the continent and yeah
2: you first miss McGann
0: um, well I feel like I'm still learning the lessons that I'd like to put forward but I, I do feel like in South Africa at times I'm finding myself to be a little bit disappointed you know I think that we we have a very high value in social justice as individuals in this country and it's something that we must never lose sight of and it's something that you have to whenever you make a leap forward you have to think about how to pay it back mm. and you have to keep accountable on that level and I think when you see people in the creative industry, everyone just wants to make it big, and that's a really Western idea. Yeah. It's a really capitalist idea. Fame, fortune—it's—it's—it's—it's mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really dysfunctional it's
2: all about ego.
0: Yeah, it's, it's an incredibly dysfunctional idea if it's not held to a standard of well, what is it giving back? Mm. And I'm always impressed when people like Trevor Noah go off and do something, and there. you can see the South Africanness of. There's no way I'm going to make it that big and not bring a whole bunch of people with me. Mm. And I would just like to see more of that. I think that people who are very privileged don't seem to. They they do better, and they don't seem to have the same crisis of conscience mm. about helping others. I call it privilege without
2: responsibility.
0: Yeah. And I find that very hard, I, I, like, there are certain struggles that I've had as a woman coming into a space where you know, people, people intimidate you intellectually, right. that, is, that is the currency of this yeah. space. They'll make you feel stupid, they'll try and cut you off, mm, and a, I would love for there to be a time where women don't experience that. In 10 years, I hope that women don't have to experience that.
2: Anyone, women and men, yeah. like truly, everyone Train. must be safe and in a space where they can play and be free.
0: So, I mean, that's not really, those are not really lessons, it's just thoughts and ideas and things yeah. that are preoccupying me right now, um, of just going, uh, I'm enjoying making leaps, but I also want other people to benefit from those mm-hmm. leaps. And,
3: yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, for me, uh, I always try to avoid giving advice. Like you, I prefer conversations, because mm. I think that we are all learning from each other, and like Sheetal said, it's an ongoing process. Mm. What I know today may become null and void next month, in relation to how I want to affect my community, but I definitely 100% agree with Sheetal. Um, my whole company structure, you know, I opened my foundation on the same day I opened my production company because the processes and models designed in my foundation inform the processes of my yeah. production and the sets that I want to have and the type of, you know, I. Thank you, Putin. Just got another beverage. It's um, not coffee, by the way. I don't drink coffee. I don't drink it's anything green with caffeine. Um, caffeine is not my friend. But um, it's healthy for some.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yeah, no. So I designed, you know, working with young people for a reason. If yeah. I bring a sound recorder onto my set and they're rude to kids, or the kids become nervous around a certain yeah. person on set, that tells me who that person is, wow. and I don't like assholes on my set. And so there is a link and a connectivity in my processes that allows for me to do what I can with the small amount of resources I have now. Um, which I hope in the long run will lend to schools, you know, summer schools with creative processes across the African continent. I wanna be able to have kids in Kenya, Ghana, Malawi do a summer program with us and then go and start making short films on a weekly basis and know that that's their voice that can reach anyone. Um, And again, this comes back to broadband and governments investing in allowing a democratic communication platform. Um, So I think that for any Africans who are trying to be disruptive, who are trying to be disruptive media people, um, my advice, I am a super geek, I, I think knowledge is empowering. You don't have to go to a university, you don't have to go to the UK like I did but read articles, find information about this industry, listen to this podcast, Um, listen to my podcast that I've been forced to create over the past year, Um, I'm going to have to sit around and do some research because I'm a geek, but the the intention and the good thing with listening to people like Julian and ourselves is we're here and we want you to thrive and we genuinely are like if knowledge is all you're asking we'll sit down and give it to you in some way where you know that just because you don't have 60 grand for a degree doesn't mean you can't learn doesn't mean you can't be sitting there being like i will be your apprentice i don't know anything but i learn quick i'm respectful i'm professional and i will be there and the four years you spend on a set with with some pictures or with sheets company could be that education and the confidence you need to build a career.
3: Exactly. So and
2: don't don't run around and register companies and build logos yes. and stuff like that.
3: Yes. You know, Learn I
0: think first. The most important thing is to actually have partnerships in, in mm-hmm. a creative industry. It's it's the biggest thing is I feel like coming up with
2: people. It's really difficult to do this on your own. Don't do it alone. It'll get lonely, it'll be harder. And that was going to be my last point and yeah. sort of shout out to other Africans is that I think there's been a huge misconception about South Africans from our media, especially after the attacks that happened in our city centre that are still being called xenophobic attacks, but South Africans were hurt. South Africans were also in hospital. Um, It was what happens when you have economic crises and pressure, the areas in your community where people are suffering the most will have the highest level of violence. And um, I just want to say that We did come from a colonial space. We are one of the youngest independent spaces in Africa, but we feel as upset for having been left out of the conversation. I would have much rather learned about the Rwandan genocide than the Western wars. And we are open for business and we want to hang out with you, we want to eat with you, we want to make fashion with you. From the very tip of Egypt down to the very tip of South Africa, we want to hang out and we want to play with you. we really are not interested in the African narrative that the Western invasion is trying and has been trying to tell about us. We've always been stronger. We've got a rich heritage. Let's just start sharing it on our terms together. We're stronger together.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the only, the only thing that I'm sort of having to terms with at the moment is like, yeah, okay, we're all anti-capitalist, anti-patriarchy, all of this stuff.
2: And well, poor. not all of us. Some of us are into that capitalism. <laughs> you, some of us, are swimming well, in it. We like to they it. And the African-born people, girl, you know, they're like, I found the oil and I'm going to sell it to the monopoly structure. I'm fine with that. I like fancy are things. Are you?
1: because <laughs> here.
2: So you spent the it has first green hour patriarchy and capitalism, and now you're like, did you say he'll put me on a yacht? I like quality <laughs> things,
0: but they must be made equitably um you know and have the same attitude towards my own films but i think what i'm trying to say is that we're living in an age where people are calling out everything left right and center and we're forgetting about love and love is still probably the most powerful thing focus on something that moves you and find a way to use that that's my last thought
1: Thank you very much, guys. Uh, I did not mention Kanye West in this podcast, so I just thought I'd put it out there. Anyway, and that's His new tonight.
2: album is <coughs> Lackluster, and I'm a Yeezy fan. What? Yeah, that's the next podcast. Our feelings on Yeezy.
1: Bipolar is a real thing, guys. No, I... I, I think it's one of the most brilliant albums we've put out in pain. I'm in pain 24/7, and the album really is like... Wow. You liked it? I found 808
2: uh, and Heartbreak far more in tune with his pain,
1: No, I think this No, I think this is... I think this is is more as as more as it gets.
2: Lyrically maybe a it's a nice section,
1: uh
2: yeah, not like I think the, the lyrical or... content takes us to that place, but on a sonic level and he's experiment with sound and it, I've heard him do it before. That's what's let me down.
3: No true, it's it, it, it does it yeah, it doesn't the have, have remote.
2: Yeah, of
1: all these ideas yes. he had before. It doesn't and really I have new more. sonic
2: I expect exactly the sonic expression is not as disruptive as I thought it would be because he did go through opioids, he did go through liposuction Mm. and what happened when 808s came out I was like you heartbreak it (laughs) makes your your creative genius go up my brother and it's selfish as an audience to want artists to go through pains give us their work but Mm. I suppose when I got the sonic experience balanced it with the lyrical content I didn't feel has moved by his sonic.
1: I think it's going to be interesting when when the full uh, 28 songs come out
2: I didn't realise it was going to realize, no, release No,
1: yeah, yeah, 7 it's from his Odyssey. own album. It's mm. so They 7 from his own album.
2: Listen to these fans.
1: <laughs> Maybe let's save
2: this for the next one, guys. And let's then
1: there's 7 from the Kids Sea Ghost. And then there's 7 from Nas. And All then right. there's 7 from Tiana oh, Taylor. And they
2: just launched Nas' one now in t- Queensbridge. Today, yeah, it's,
1: it's <laughs> going to be launching today, I think. So I think it's going to be interesting when you when you try the and whole the
2: whole journey. See the whole journey. Okay, because I'll wait for
0: it. So do you think there's this intention in his recent meltdown, or do you think he's just being honest as an artist and making art and through his meltdown? He's or?
2: always honest, and it's always I intentional. Think it's, I think it's <laughs>
1: honest, and what, what I like about it is that. So I mean, when you're very honest, you're misunderstood. People want Steve Jobs 24/7. We kind of hope Steve Jobs and be calculated with our ideas and, Absolutely. and be presentational and all the time. And being calculated
0: is. Boring, and I'm you more know. interested in people being honest. Yeah, yeah. And, being and I feel calculated.
1: like there's intention The only thing I think he struggles with people to articulate. And I think there's not enough people around him. I think the people that used to be there before to help him ground himself—not mm-hmm. ground himself, but, mm-hmm. but help him articulate ideas better—are uh, mm-hmm. off to their own journeys. You know, the Virgils, mm-hmm. the, the guys that are way no, more. No, Virgil's alone. still
2: very much in his life. Not, I not think as
1: much as no, he used is, to be. No, he is,
2: but it's more fashion. And I yeah, think the thing is like on the
1: more creative june now is more kardashian than
2: and i think people say (laughs) that that's what i was trying to stop because i know i'm gonna hold back here i think i think this is another podcast because the truth is like i think people will immediately talk talk. look after kanye i'm a kardashian fan i'm a kardashian (laughs) fan and i think that it's too easy to blame the woman for the man's shortcomings number one but two kanye has always been somebody who's out yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm gonna call that out, but the thing it's is as well. <laughs> but the thing is as well, guys. You just uh, uh, Kanye has never looked for anyone to tell him how to speak. Just because when he came up with Jigga and Damon Dash, there was a way he spoke then.
3: Yeah.
2: And then when he was dating Amber Rose, there was a way he spoke then. I don't think whoever he's married to or whoever he's surrounded by will ever affect. It's Kanye. He. It's the Kanye show. And. I feel like, I'm sure Kanye went, I mean, I think his wife had a meltdown when he said what he said about slavery being a choice. Because of course the first thing the black community is gonna say is, it's cause you married that white woman. (laughs) Even Snoop said it on his part, he was like, you need to surround yourself with some black women that are gonna give you the right kind of advice. Like, why is it Kim's fault? why is it his wife's fault that this man sat on TMZ and said some controversial stuff he's an individual and he's a free mind and you'll never take that away from him so I do think this is another podcast because I do find it very interesting how the first group of an all female show has been lambasted as untalented unskilled for the past 10 years in the western media but before them the Kardashians before the Kardashians there was no show on television that was predominantly female that exploited media practices and use the docu-series to become millionaires no one ever speaks about them in that way I'm not saying I want big booty culture or I want plastic surgery culture what I want is for women to stop being called sluts stop being called oh you don't really do anything when the when they're running empires and just because you don't understand what type of a media empire they're running saying that they don't do anything doesn't make you look anything but sour And so now he then goes and marries this African-American who's an activist and really outspoken and they bring up their Armenian heritage and nobody wants to see that because we're seeing it from Western lens. And why is that? Why are we bashing the only show on television that's run for 10 years that stars only women who don't also look blonde and blue-eyed? Before then, a lot of the shows like Insecure and seeing different types of women on television wasn't happening. And I'm not giving full credit to them for that, but but I'm saying seeing brunetted women with curvaceous bodies who love their curvaceous bodies, wanted more of the curvaceous body, appropriated in some ways and offended people, that is a conversation that's not had about these women because it is easier to constantly bring bring down a woman who's doing something different in a disruptive western space
1: see this podcast is lit
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah man. we're
1: ending the note with Kanye West <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. you escalated sure. when you brought in the creative genius I was like ah oh, that's not a crescendo that's a rise this is going to be a series by the way you should go listen to uh, you should go look at Mary Sabanda's exhibition uh, crescendo of ecstasy no. and,
1: and to go look, I think I'm going to go after this because oh, I'm scared I want to watch you with my wife my wife loves Mary Sabanda so yeah she's in Cape Town it's,
0: it's really worth
1: ride. it
0: <laughs> It's yeah, quite a beautiful... It's a wonderful experience.
2: We'll talk about it next year. I don't think Mary wants to see us for a while. We were fangirling hard. Like, we love you, Mary.
1: Thank you guys. Uh, Thank you for listening. Uh, And yeah, listen to it. Watch their work, please. Don't support the work. Just watch the work and pay for it, whatever it's due. I hate support. Pay your dues. Uh, and then yeah, we'll see you on the next podcast, maybe next year, I don't know. After this one, we don't need
0: support, we need fans. fans. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like I don't like people come to
1: me and say I support you. No, I don't want to support. Pay for whatever I'm selling, listen to whatever I'm preaching. And that'll translate to
2: support.
1: Yes, and that's enough. Yeah. Thank you guys and take care. There was no coffee in this conversation, so anyway, bye bye.
2: You don't need coffee? (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm,
1: I'm an advocate for African coffee I think coffee is very, very important But this is also
2: called coffee with Dillion, isn't it?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah That's the whole idea and yeah, You're going to have shit coffee We are not even even coffee with Dylan, So it's fine Thank you guys, take care he <laughs> <laughs> And he doesn't edit his podcast